Hello, and welcome everyone to another NPA Long Island Region 7 podcast. Today, we are really excited about our guest. Um, she is one of our more accomplished members and also happens to be the uh, Nurse Practitioner of the Year for both New York State and our region. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Mary Koslap Potreko um, to our podcast today. Mary, are you there? Here. Hi, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, we're so honored to have you, Mary. So why don't we get started? I want to just ask you, um, what made you decide to become a nurse? <laughs> I was three. <laughs> and um, I think the motivation was I had a grandmother with diabetes and I used to see her getting shots all the time. And then I wrote those, I don't know if any of you remember, there were Nurse Nancy books when we were, when I was a little girl, I still have my, I have a reproduction copy. And I, you know, I wanted to grow up to help people. And my father said, well, don't you want to be a physician? I said, no, I don't want to do that. I want to be a nurse. So the rest is history. Oh, good. And then how did you become, what made you decide to become a nurse practitioner? <laughs> That's another funny story. I was, I worked for Suffolk County Department of Health Services. I had a 30-year career with them, but I was with them, I guess, two years. And I was the triage nurse because I was an old ER nurse. And I used to see children coming through um, triage. And I said, I can manage these kids. I know what to do with them. And I probably could do a better job than the physician could because I talked to them. And, um, you know, I, I used to watch the physicians and they, they didn't take the time to really chat with the patients at all. And then the medical director at the time, I know he meant this as a compliment, but he said I was just too smart to be a nurse. Um, and Stony Brook had um, just, I think Stony Brook's program had been around for a while, but they had just opened their pediatric nurse practitioner track because for me, it was like, do I go with Jerry or do I go with Peds? But Peds has always been my love. It's always been where I gravitated to. So I applied and was accepted to the Peds track at, at Stony Brook and I went full-time for two years. They didn't know what to make of me and my friend because we were like, no, we're going to finish this in two years. And I did. Wow. Um, so now I heard you say that you work for the uh, county health department. Um, and I, I believe you're an expert um, in, in viruses and vaccination. Am I correct on that? Yes, I'm a vaccine expert and uh, infectious diseases. That's my So now can you tell us, I'm sorry, can you tell us a little bit about, um, we have a lot of viruses that are going on right now. Can you give us a little bit uh, of an idea of what's happening in New York in terms of some of these viruses? And, you know, also, what do you think about COVID and the flu? Well, there certainly is a lot to going around and a lot to keep us public health focused nurses and nurse practitioners in business, unfortunately, for a long time. Um, in the pediatric area, we're seeing a lot more RSV now. That's respiratory succincta virus. It's a really it looks like a cold, but it can cause respiratory distress in children. We're seeing enterovirus. We're seeing a whole bunch of viruses. I mean, they all pretty much come up with the same set of symptoms, but they um, they are all caused by different organisms. Um, and the big scare to me as a vaccine expert is we had one case of paralytic polio in an adult, an unvaccinated adult, I might add, um, that would not have happened had he been vaccinated. Um, we're finding polio virus in the wastewater in several of the counties, Nassau among them. Um, which is really frightening to me. Uh, for me, that's just to ring the bell even louder. Come on, folks, get your children vaccinated. Uh, my mother was a polio survivor, and she was an absolute lunatic about getting all of us vaccinated. 
we weren't allowed to go swimming, play with friends and all this other stuff. And I was a polio pioneer and they marched us all up from the Catholic school up to the public school to get our polio shots. And, you know, it's for me, it's really difficult to understand why parents would not want to get their children vaxxed. But I think part of it is we've done such a good job of vaccinating that parents aren't afraid of the disease. They're more afraid of the vaccine. Than they are of the disease. But, you know, polio vaccine and we only use killed virus vaccine here in the U.S. So there's no way you can get polio from the vaccine. Um, it's just a no brainer to me, but what it says to me is if we don't watch it, we're going to wind up seeing more people with paralytic polio. If we don't get the numbers up, it's the numbers are good when you look at the statewide numbers, but when you look at certain communities, the numbers are scary and far too low. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. It was COVID and the flu. Yes. COVID. That was what I was going to talk about next. I just wanted to put, make sure that people understand it's, if you haven't been vaxxed, if you can't find your shot record, um, it's time to talk to your provider about being vaccinated and please get your children vaxxed. Um, COVID, COVID, um, the pandemic is not over. Um, we need to learn how to live with this virus. It's going to be around for a very long time. Um, if you haven't been vaxxed yet and boosted, it's time to do so now. Um, we do have a new booster out and the people, we, while we'd like to get everybody to get that new booster, the people we really want to focus on are the folks who are, and I hate the word elderly, mature people. Um, anybody who is uh, 70 or older really needs to get a booster. Uh, yeah, I don't like that term. Yeah. <laughs> um, and anybody with a chronic condition, I, I ran into, I was at the, I went to get my flu vaccine yesterday and I forgot to take a picture because yeah, I wasn't supposed to be posting that on Facebook. I'll have to have my kids fake one for me. But um, uh, I was sitting next to a lady and I talked to everybody and my husband says I'm going to get shot one day. But you know, I'm a public health nurse. I talk to people all the time. And the lady sitting next to me tells me she has diabetes and she was so excited. She was there for her flu shot. I said, oh, are you going to get a COVID booster too? She said, oh, yeah. And then I said, well, what about pneumonia and shingles? Oh, I haven't had those. Do I need those too? I said, yep, you need those. I said, honestly, you could get all four today. But if you're afraid of getting all four, get the two today and come on back tomorrow or next week and get the other two. But, you know, vaccines don't protect you unless we stick it in your arm. So, you know, um, and then someone else was listening and they asked questions and, you know, I mean, I wear it on my sleeve that I'm a, you know, I was a public health nurse. I'm still a public health nurse. So obviously, you know, yeah, all about, you know, and I told her I was a nurse practitioner and, you know, this was a really important thing for her and to go home and tell all her friends. Right now we're hearing a lot about the, the flu this season possibly being bad. And I, I believe it was in Australia, right? The flu season has been pretty bad there. Oh, flu season was not good at all in Australia. They have so they have seen a huge uptick there. It was a very virulent or very um, 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 damaging strain that they had that they saw. And, you know, the viruses blow around like the wind. So it's blowing towards us now. So, um, yes, and they, they feel that it's based on two things. First of all, the strain was more virulent. Second of all, people haven't been wearing masks. We wore masks for the past two years, which really cut down on the number of cases of influenza we had in the past couple of years. So um, everybody needs to get their flu shot. And the other thing that's a real advantage to getting your flu shot this year is it's a good match. We've, we've guessed right this year. I don't know if any of you know how we pick the flu vaccine strains, but they kind of look at the chickens and the ducks and the birds in, the, in Asia and China, and they see what viruses they're carrying. And that's how they determine what, because that's really where influenza starts. And that's how they determine what strains they're going to put in the, in the vaccine for the year. I also want to put in a plug, if you're, like I said, a mature person, 
65 or older. This year, it's not, um, the, it's a recommendation, not a, do you feel you really want to get it kind of um, um, recommendation. It's definitely a recommendation. We want anybody 65 or older to get the high dose vaccine this year because the high dose vaccine is much more protective in our mature adults than it than the lower dose than the routine dose because as you get older your immune system kind of starts to wear out so you need a bigger kick in the pants the older you get to get the vaccine that's a little bit stronger that's what i got i got the high dose so now i'm admitting to you that i'm a mature person <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for that so now tell me why why did you become a member of the nurse practitioner association of new york uh, and what value do you see in being a member well i became a member because they're strengthening numbers. I've told people this before. You can't hear one hand clapping. You can hear a lot of hands clapping. So there's strength in numbers. Um, I joined because of the policy issues. I am a policy wonk. My favorite thing is legislative issues. And I learned at the knee of some very wonderful nurse practitioners, uh, Elaine Gelman among them, who was one of the founders of the Nurse Practitioner Association, New York State, um, you can't do this in a vacuum. And mm -hmm. if you don't have somebody standing behind you, they can do whatever they want. And we can be legislated out of business in the stroke of a pen. Um, so like I said, I met a couple at, at Stony Brook. I met a couple of people who were NPA members and I was like, cheapers, this sounds like fun. So I, you know, I joined, um, uh, in fact, at graduation, um, the president of the NPA LI was standing at graduation with a big basket of these things that look like little diplomas with a pen in it and saying, hello, welcome. I'm the president of the local chat, local NPA, come and join us. And, you know, she was really friendly and outgoing. And I said, well, you know, I like to talk to people and I'm a peds person. Um, you can't do this. Like um, if, if I have an issue, who's going to fight for me if I don't belong to a larger group? My favorite story about this is a, a very dear friend of mine who was doing school physicals. She worked for a big pediatric practice in, in, um, in the five towns area. She's doing school, she was doing um, um, lifeguard physicals. And the town of Hempstead turns around and says, are you a nurse practitioner? We don't take them from nurse practitioner. She said, excuse me? She said, that's within my scope of practice. Of course you can. And they said, tough, we're not taking them. So she called me uh. and I said, uh, do you belong to the NPA? She goes, gee, I never thought about it. I belong to NAPNAP, which is the pediatric group. But she said, I never thought, it. I said, you need to join and you need to join immediately because you don't have the resources to fight these kinds of battles and to do this by yourself as well. So she joined the NPA. Um, she called the NPA and said, listen, I have this problem. Less than three days after she joined the NPA, they fixed it. And she was, and the, the town got their marching orders. You will accept um, physicals from uh, nurse practitioners because this is within our scope of practice. So, that's, like I said, my favorite war story of why you need to belong. You can't do this in a vacuum. No. Um, I hear this time and again. I get phone calls from NAPNAP all the time. Can you help this pediatric nurse practitioner? Because she's having a policy issue. Well, does she belong to the state NPA? Um, and then before you know it, I've recruited a few more members because they find out the benefit of being a part of the NPA. And here's another huge benefit, people. We fought like dogs and we got rid of mandatory collaborative practice in New York State. Um, and without all of my nurse colleagues, we could not have done this. Um, you know, Peg O'Donnell and I 
where I was at the nap nap meeting and Peg O'Donnell was seeing a bazillion patients in, in um, Lynbrook. And we got the call from the state. We need to do this and do this quick. We need, you need to contact your members and get these people to get online so that we can, we can convince the governor to sign this legislation. So between Peg and me, we sent out over, I probably over 1800 emails in the space of three days. Peg organized everybody at the Northwell um, organization and got them behind it. And they got swamped with emails and phone calls to the state legislators. And we got it done. Um, yes, we we're, did. And you're right. It's, it takes a village, right? It, it takes, takes a village. You can't do, do this alone. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now we need that village to support us again because we need to get this made permanent. You know, they give lip service to the physicians. And don't get me wrong. I work with a lot of wonderful physicians. But um, a lot of their group organizations see us as a threat. Um, there's plenty of patients to go around for everybody. So we are not a threat. Um, but we need to get our members put together and follow the lead for this from the state, um, NPA to get this made permanent and get it done in, in the two year window that we have to do it. I'm glad we didn't go for more than two years because we just need to get it done and get it over with and move on because we have other, other fish to fry and other issues that we need to address. Right. We have plenty of issues to address. So I want to thank you so much, Mary. This has been very, very informative. I'm sure our members would love to hear um, from you. And, and it's great that you're still that public health nurse um, at the end of the day, still, you know, still uh, educating patients. Um, so thank you. I want to thank you for joining us and thank you everyone for joining us for our podcast today.